0: Hello, welcome to the second GST podcast and we have yet another cracking interview for your delectation. A few weeks ago, I spoke to Paul Jubb. Paul became the first Brit in history to win the NCAA Men's Singles Championships in May. It was a pretty big deal and it earned him a wild card into the Wimbledon main draw. This podcast actually comes from Eastbourne. I've just been hitting a little bit on the grass at Devonshire Park where they hold the WTA events and the ATP 250. Um, the very turf, then, that Jubb picked up two huge scouts this summer. One over Dennis Histamin, who famously defeated Djokovic in the 2017 Australian Open, and Andre Rublev, one of the most promising next gen front runners, of course. So Jubb qualified for the 250 down here with those two wins, and a few weeks later, he faced João Souza on Court 17 at Wimbledon. Jubb's is a remarkable story. He tragically lost both his parents when he was very young and was brought up by his grandmother. Um, Jonathan Newman wrote a really great piece for The Independent about Paul's background, so if you want to find out more about that, I do recommend you seek that out. I played with Paul many times as a junior, um, and in this interview, I spoke to him about his journey on the court, what all changed at 15, and about planning how to tackle the tour. You can find all of this in a feature I put together on online. But... I'm off to Caroline Wozniacki's favourite ice cream caller. In the meantime, here's our conversation in full. It was crazy. I mean, well, well, I'll start first by asking you how the last month and a half has been, really. Um,
1: yeah, it's been really good just with, you know, some of the wins I've had and, um, you know, a good, you know, confidence boost and stuff to see where my level is, even though I've been in college or whatever. It's... Um, still know that my like level is like the tall level right now and stuff is just um, a good a nice reality check really but um, yeah it's been nice with like some of the attention and stuff and just people you know noticing um, you know my progression and stuff. Yeah,
0: you've you've always struck me as a a really level-headed competitor, and you you looked it against Sosa. Um, in that first round match at Wimbledon of course but describe your emotions after that first set I remember I remember arriving at court 17 and it was 5 love in the first set I was like oh no yeah. it must have been a bit of a you know you have those matches don't you where it kind of just rushes past you and you don't quite get foothold but you, you came yeah. back so well just describe your feelings over that moment
1: Um, I was um, yeah slightly um, yeah just kind of crap in my pants, really. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, and obviously, yeah, I would have liked to have a better start, and, um, you know, it would have been, I think, a, a way different match if I would have got at least a half-decent start with, um, you know, it would have given me a lot more confidence, but having a start like that, you know. On that stage, um, it was, like, the biggest match of playing it. Obviously, like, um didn't do, you know, give me the best chance to then start playing well. So I think after that, I mean, I had to, I knew I had to stay calm to even give myself a chance of um, getting close to making it a competitive match. And um, I knew I just had to keep working. Otherwise, if I got negative, then it could have been love, love, and love. So, um, you know, either like it was just something I had, to, I knew I had to do to at least give myself an opportunity so um but yeah i was i was probably just very disappointed with um the start and just the way yeah it turned out well you, you certainly turned around
0: anyway i mean uh, i remember i spoke to to uh, dave kitchen just afterwards because he was watching um and he said well you didn't look out of place against top 40 guy in the world so that's I mean, you've got to be pleased with that, I guess. I know you'll want more, but I mean to at least in a in a Wimbledon debut, that's it's a great effort, isn't it? I mean, do you think it was the occasion? Like when you were stepping onto court, what what were your what were your feelings, what was going through your head, that whole
1: build up to that match? Um must um, have been crazy. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, like I felt ready to actually like, you know, kind of own the court and put on a good performance and I'd been feeling really good in practice and um, playing with a lot of confidence. And then, um, yeah, like, to be honest, I don't really know what it was. Like, I was just – I was so ready just to get out there and start, you know, just swinging. um, I think maybe that was actually the issue. Like, I'd been playing feeling so good or whatever, Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden, you know, I just wasn't feeling good once we – like, started hitting the ball or whatever and um, I think I think if I'd lowered my expectations from the start with how I'd been playing or whatever then it could have been a bit different but um, yeah I actually felt ready to be fair.
0: Yeah well that's um, bodes well anyway to have that mindset going forwards um, but let's let's just go back a bit briefly if I may um, so I guess I know, I know a bit about your tennis background of course <laughs> we've played each yeah. other a few times but yeah um, I guess for people who don't know who you are, tell us about where and how it all began. When was the first kind of time you picked up a tennis racket, and then where did it go from there?
1: Yeah, um, the first time I started playing was in my primary school, my first year of primary school. After school, tennis club, um, or whatever, and then um, then got asked to go to the, my local tennis club, which is like a two-minute walk away, and then the After a couple of few years there, I started to take it more seriously, and then obviously I moved to Nuffield, where me and you have played there before, and um, in many matches or whatever. And um, yeah, I trained up, trained there up until I left for college, and um, yeah, I've just that was how it developed really.
0: So yeah, your nan brought you up and took you along to tennis tournaments, didn't she? And then. Later, yeah. Johnny Carmichael, of course, started helping you with your travel. Um, how much of a motivator is it to you, do you think, to make these people, these individuals that have helped you along the way and taking you to where you are, how much of a motivator is it for you to make these people in your life proud, do you reckon?
1: Yeah, I think that's actually one of my main motivations, um, you know, to, to keep striving. That's something I carry along with me to um, really push myself, Um you know just wanting to you know make the most out of everyone else's efforts towards my career and making it worth it, so I'd say that is probably one of my biggest motivators. Hmm.
0: Uh, and I don't know, I'm not sure if you'd, you'd agree with me on this, but I, I in saying that you were a, a relatively late bloomer compared to somebody like Jay Clark or or Kyle Edmund, I guess he also was in Nuffield for a time, wasn't he? Um, yeah, but looking back, do you think there was a do you think there was a moment when things started to click, or when you felt like right, I can make a real fist of this? And I don't know when did it all start to kind of come together?
1: Um. Yeah. I mean, I definitely still um. I was a late bloomer, and um. But I think it's from it, my career, it's been a steady progression. But I'd say mm. the main the main time moment where I got you know a huge belief or, like, um, I remember having a conversation with Johnny, and it was about when I was 15, 14, 15 years old, um, uh, 15, I'd probably say, just i 15, and, um, yeah, I remember telling Johnny that, you know, I think I can, you know, make tennis my career, and I think I can go far and do good things, and, um, you know, he had full confidence and belief in me, and, but, um yeah it was just something you know inside I feel like I can you know be a you know a good tennis player and um you know make it my career but obviously you know that doesn't mean I was going to be you know the best in the country and all that stuff straight away but it's been a steady progression since then but um yeah I'd say about 15 was the real moment um time where I had full belief
0: yeah yeah um and do you think I don't know? I guess I mean you're, you're a young guy, so it's quite hard to kind of get his comment on something like this. But do you think your trajectory so far is something for the LTA maybe to consider going forwards?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think it, I think definitely it's something what um, people should take into account because I was never a top junior, and um, I think and I think I used to worry about. You know, having to be a top junior to then move on into the pros, but um, actually, but like seeing where I'm at now, and and it happens all the time. It's and you see many top juniors not actually make anything of themselves. It's um, juniors actually doesn't really mean that much. And looking back on it, and I think a lot if you're smart and a lot of people actually know. That juniors isn't the be all end all. So, you don't have to be a good junior to then make something of yourself. So, mm. um, yeah, I think definitely there shouldn't be too much pressure or I think too much um, speculation or whatever on if you're a good junior or not. Because at the end of the day, you know, that doesn't mean you're going to have a good transition into the pros. So, um, I definitely say, like, you know, if these good juniors or whatever who, you know, have all the support in the world or whatever, Uh, they're not, you know, it doesn't mean they're going to, it doesn't mean that they're going to be, you know, the next big thing. So, um, obviously, it's at the time, like, you know, I wouldn't, it'd be tough to give me all the support or whatever because I wasn't one of the best ones. So, obviously, I just had to keep working until I did become, you know, uh, a top player or whatever. But, um yeah, I think it's junior tennis shouldn't be something what has a lot of, you know, eyes and um mm-hmm. you know, so much pressure on. Yeah.
0: Well yeah, I mean it potentially it's it's benefited you, right? Because you've kind of you've kind of skipped all the all the, uh, the tennis Europe stuff, the kind of the junior ITF stuff out and gone gone straight into the pros. So I guess you almost don't have you can't you don't have a chance to develop potentially those bad habits that you sometimes get in junior tennis you've kind of i mean you were signing up as well for college when you were 16 right so it's yeah it's kind of like yeah, exactly. accelerated your progression maybe i don't know yeah exactly um so how does the University of south carolina fit into all this uh what was there what, what was going there done for your game and then what do you reckon it's done for you as a person as well
1: um yeah i mean it's benefited me you know, everywhere possible and there's been no negatives from going there. Um, you know, it's made me a more mature um human being and um, you know, I was independent before I left. Um I think that was a quality I, you know, I had before, but it's definitely, you know, helped me progress my own independence or whatever and um but and tennis wise it's definitely made me way better the strides I've made since I've been there have been massive and you know that's obviously thanks to the coaches I have out there um, you know they're such great guys and know so much about the game um, so I've been able to make big strides since I've been there and um, yeah I think it's just been such a great breath of fresh air and a great experience I, I like doing something you know I think a lot of Players and stuff from juniors, I think that's the thing. Like, they go into a full time schedule and stuff and lose love for the game really quickly Mm -hmm. from going week in, week out to different places. And, um, yeah, get playing on the futures tour, like, um, they lose love for the game. But you know, since I've been there, it's you know, I've been doing school and stuff and I've had a normal life and it's just been a really nice experience. And I've, you know, obviously still kept my love for the game or whatever. And then Um, I've got to experience the best of both worlds, obviously, coming back in the summer and stuff and playing pro tournaments, but then, you know, going back to college life and stuff. So it's been a really nice um, balance and, you know, I'm excited to go back and finish my last year before then, obviously, going full-time into the pros. What was the, the difference,
0: did you feel, when you were, I mean, you've been, a lot of people probably haven't known that you were playing quite a few ITFs right before this last month and a half. So you've been on the circuit a little bit. You've been getting kind of taste for it. But what was the what was the step up like? Did you feel like there was really a transition between when you're coming off the court at the NCAA's and then going to an ATP Challenger? What, um, what was the what was the step up, or did you just feel like right now I'm I'm feeling comfortable here?
1: Yeah, I mean, I felt, you know, I was obviously nervous before I played the first time and stuff, and, um, you know, I didn't know what fully to expect, but I was still confident of, you know, my level, but um, you never know. And then, you know, after, you know, stepping out there the first week and then second week, whatever, and I just realised, like, you know, that is my level, really, and, you know, I felt like I have every right to, beat these guys and mm-hmm. um you know i felt like um you know my game is big enough to you know beat these guys so it was what it, it, it didn't feel like it a fluke or anything when i was you know winning winning those matches and um you know i think as de- from the ncaa's as well like the, those guys who i was playing they you know they're at that level too so it, mm-hmm. it, it the, the top level of college tennis is very high. So. Um, and I think not everyone, um, understands that. And, um, you know, those guys, you know, the guy I played in the final, for example, is just like one, three futures or whatever. Wow. Um, so it's like, it is that, it is a level in those guys are very, very good. So there's a lot of, and there's more and more, um, you know, top hundred players coming out of college now, like more more players getting into the top hundred from co- coming out of college. So um, it's definitely growing by year, um, with the players year by year. So um, yeah, I mean, I think it's playing at that level now is is definitely definitely helped me um, transition to playing and and helped me um, succeed in these pro tournaments.
0: And you mentioned right at the start about this kind of the, the kind of education you've had over the le- last month and a half. What area of your game do you think you you most need to work on after playing all these matches?
1: Um, you say what area to uh, work on? Yeah, um, yeah, um, yeah. I think um, I think at this level, like you know, having a good serve is a big thing. Um. You know, my serve has got better, um, you know, recently. But um, it's definitely something what can still get better, and um, you know, it's something what can, you know, help me um, earn more three points. And um, yeah, the more the more easier holding games you have, the the easier life becomes um, on the tennis court. But um, and then I think just a bit of net play, um, a bit more clinical at the net and is one thing I can improve on but um, I think from the from the baseline my I I can compete with anyone from the baseline so it's just little things here and there Um, but nothing there's no huge developments what I feel like I'm I'm very far behind in it's just just getting some little things a little bit better which will make big differences
0: Mm -hmm. and you mentioned finally that um so you're going to complete the plan is to complete your final year at college right and then after that you're having a go on the tour just talk to us about what your plan is the next 12 months
1: yeah um i'm gonna play um tournaments up until the end of this year and then i'm gonna go back for my last season and then i gonna um finish i gotta finish my classes and graduate um But yeah, like for me, there's no real rush right now to rush out onto the Pro Tour. I'm just still still developing, developing and it's, you know, everyone's on their own path. And I feel like this is my path. And, um, you know, just because I've had a bit of success now doesn't mean, you know, I let it go to my head and stuff. I'm still, you know, I still feel like I've got, you know, more things to improve on before I go full time onto the Pro Tour and stuff. So yeah, I think my, you know, next year or be back at college and stuff and then obviously I'll be playing some pro tournaments in the summer or um, in the holidays but um, yeah and then once I'm done there then then I've got to decide um, you know where I want to train out of and things like that but um, yeah I'll be looking to you know have a full time schedule on the professional tour and try and work my way up.
0: Excellent. Well best of luck Paul. Thanks a lot for speaking to us. Um, I know you've got a tournament tomorrow whereabouts is it
1: uh, at the National Tennis Center in Roehampton
0: oh nice okay so what's the what's the occasion
1: uh, it's a 25 uh, K features. nice,
0: teachers, nice. So. well best of luck best of luck we'll be keeping close tabs on you and I know you're doing a lot of people in Yorkshire proud so <laughs> keep it up and I'm sure a lot of people in South Korea in South Carolina as well <laughs> cheers cheers thanks a lot Paul I'll speak to you soon So there we have it. I hope that's left you feeling like you know Paul Jubb a little bit better. He may well have a big role to play in the future of British tennis. He has such great humility, but ever since his early teens, he had this steely determination. And I'm sure that came across. Uh, he lost in the semi-finals to the ITF in Roehampton to a certain Jack Draper in the end. Let's hope that could be one of many meetings between the pair in the years to come. So we're now up and running on iTunes, Spotify and Acast. So please subscribe wherever you get your pods and leave us a review. We're going to be in New York next week. Uh, I'll be in the UK, but Roger and the rest of the team are going to be out there and I'll be getting their thoughts. We're also going to have decorated tennis journalist and broadcaster Barry Flatman on the pod, so can't wait for that. In the meantime, have a fabulous week, and while it might be the same old, same old for British tennis with Sir Andy on the comeback trail, there might soon be a few new faces on the scene too. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.